welcome to another episode of Giving a Hoot with Kyle and Ryan. Not Luke. Hello. Not. <laughs> uh, so normal, uh, normal crowd here uh, with Ryan and I, uh, but we are bringing on data diver extraordinaire, uh, Kyle Reisman. So welcome, Kyle. Thanks. Nice to have some live data checking, I guess. <laughs> uh, so if you have anything to uh, to uh, contribute data-wise, better be right, because uh, we can't go back and change those data facts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. Let's, let's, uh, let's get into some news. We have a little bit of that. Uh, as far as team of the week, three baby, three on team of the week. Hey, technically we can say four if you want to count four. Jake. No, I'm counting Jake first. Well, well, five if you want to go that way. <laughs> there we go. See, because both Toby and Jake also got team of the week. Oh, there we go. Uh, technically six because. We have a mascot on Team of the Week. <laughs> well, uh, we should mention the reason Camille's not uh, joining the three of us is because they're visiting the mascot at the Humane Society currently. So That, that is correct. But definitely, um, definitely there to, uh, to say we got Rashid, who yep. had an outstanding week. Uh, tough week, but an outstanding week. Uh, the mascot, Newtson for Team of the Week. A uh, yep. little bit of foreshadowing there because then Dalton I, uh, makes his first appearance on Team of the Week of 2020. Are we sure? I, Are we uh, sure? Because they did not spell his first name correctly. Oh, they didn't? I didn't even see that. They went O-N. O-N on it. <laughs> Wait, what? what? Did they get – they spelled yeah, it correctly later on where they talk about Newton for Team of the Week, the dog. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, oh man. And, as, as people that help uh, check articles, as Kyle knows, um, <laughs> it's, not, it's not the best job always. So sometimes you're in a rush and uh, things like the spelling of a person's first name may get missed. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely uh, a little bit of forgiveness warranted here. Um, Absolutely. But we also have Dion on Team of the Week. As a defender. As, as, yeah, a, defender. as a defender. I, I think we all have noticed um, after that Richmond game, we kind of need, need some help in the defense. And Dion stepped up in a big way there. So, uh, extremely, extremely happy to have Dion able to, to, um, to be able to fill in and on our defense, uh, as far as, uh, you know, the fact it took him being a defender to make team of the week, a little bit disappointing there, but this w with two, two people listed on defense on team of the week and our goalkeeper, 
I, I think it was finally a good show of to why Union Omaha has been so strong this year. Yeah. And currently sitting top of the table. Yeah. At least until Wednesday. <laughs> At least Wednesday. But I'm going to take that top of the table mm-hmm. all the way to Wednesday. I, you know, I, I know we're talking about three games because uh, we didn't record before uh, before Saturday. But the nice part for Shido was um, was the, the the week only included Wednesday and Saturday. So if you look at those two games, he only gave up the one. Uh, he only gave up the one goal in two games. So uh, Richmond Richmond did not affect his ability to be on team of the week <laughs> this week. Um, mm-hmm. And I love these stats from Dion. Uh, besides his his goal, which we'll talk about, he had seven recoveries, perfect dribble completion, and tackle success rate, both were perfect. I mean, for a guy that rarely plays defense, that is amazing for stats for him. And one half of the game playing defense on an iffy part of the field. Yes. <laughs> well, that we'll get into get into the field because uh, I, I think that need, definitely needs to be talked about uh, here. Um, other news: Alex Touche uh, injured during the Richmond game. We'll get a little bit into that, um, but was seen walking around unaided um, on Wednesday, and uh, I believe Kyle spotted him jogging. Or as as some people say, yogging, um, yogging. On, on Saturday, just a little bit to go and celebrate after that that victory. Well, considering we didn't think he'd be walking after uh, that, um, huge huge step uh, step in the right direction. Absolutely. So, uh, come back better, come back stronger. Just get back, hurry up. Uh, just come on, Alex. So so glad it wasn't what we all originally feared it to be. Yeah, uh, yeah. I that that was the absolute last last thing we needed was another after losing Isaac the week before mm-hmm. um, the season ending, um, having Gio, um, Giovanni Montesioka out um, season ending injury just as he was starting to catch his stride beginning of the season. Like we we. We can't hit or can't take another another player out, um, especially so. not back there. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I feel for Geo. I really hope Geo comes back stronger too. But we at least had midfield coverage. We have wing coverage. We have that. Losing two defenders. If we would have lost Alex for the rest of the season too, and to lose two defenders essentially for the rest of the season like that would have been heartbreaking at that point. Um, so I, I'm glad to hear it sounds like he was, I wasn't at the two home matches, so it sounds like he was at least able to be moving around a little bit, which I'm glad to hear because initially it looked ugly and nasty. Yeah, I, I definitely was not, um, not expecting anything positive, uh, with that and, and seeing him out there walking around is just absolutely, absolutely massive there. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Well, let's, uh, let's break into, uh, in, into the Richmond game. Um, while oh, well. I work on getting my video to actually 
go. So, um, not not a great game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, honestly, I thought we were doing better than than the scoreline showed up until Alex's injury. And granted, we were down one nil um, at Alex's injury, but that that definitely changed the pace of the game. Um, Absolutely. Emilio Anatrazaghi got his first goal against Union Omaha in three seasons, followed it up with a second. Yep. Um, Bastard. The the first goal was one we we couldn't have stopped. Uh, I don't – it was a very, very skillful goal – uh, was that Bolaños? Yeah. 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 Uh, just it, right, right positioning. Pace was there. Uh, our guys, I mean, didn't even really get particularly burned there. But uh, the way way recovering from that was was a little bit challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was it was definitely against the run of play too. Like I just pulled up the XG graph from that game and the first 15 minutes were pretty much all us. And then right around 20, I think, is when they got that goal, and then it was pretty much them a lot of the rest of the game. Yeah. There, therein lies the problem in that match, though. You lose 3-0, but you had 55% possession thereabouts, and uh, you had more completed passes than the other team, both of which are things that we typically don't do. Yeah. No. I, I think we'd only won the one game doing that which was that uh, NCFC game. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that's – that's we, we joke about it a lot, and I know we'll talk about the next two matches. Um, but I said on, on Discord, the, the other two matches being wins didn't surprise me because it played into our strengths, which is not possessing the ball and attacking on the counter. And, and possessing the ball for, for the majority of the match, I mean, I know it's 10% more, but – that's not we're usually in the 30 high 30s low 40s for possession uh as a team so we were playing out of our comfort level on the road on top of that um and richmond plays a similar style like that where they they don't want the ball either and they want those fast counters that's how trizaghi scores the goals he scores they counter he's up there he's in position he shoots and he scores and they we just unfortunately we played into that tactic this time well, yeah. If you if you look at the amount of passes that team that teams in the whole league have had, the bottom three, the least completed passes in the whole league, us, Richmond, Greenville, the current top three, <laughs> <laughs> who all play similar styles. We, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, Greenville doesn't like having the ball that much either. They'd rather play hard nosed defense and hit on the counter. So it doesn't surprise me. No, it, and. It it really does boil down to uh, in this league who's got the best defense, and we've seen that all four years of this league. Defenses win this league, uh, mm-hmm. and you could say that arguably about any, but I think it's e- even more apparent in in League One than anywhere else because the amount of goals getting scored aren't earth shattering. Uh, Terzaghi's in the lead with what fourteen. And it took one of our defenders crashing into our own 
uh, own post because the offside whistle or offside call hadn't been whistled. So we were playing through the whistle, which Mm -hmm. there's no VAR whistle should be blown immediately. But that's a that's a different different story there. If we're going to go into pro um, rankings this week. I mean, that yeah, that was the best of the week was the Richmond game. Yes. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, Terzaghi's on 14, uh, and then Para, Lavitz, and McLaughlin are all on 11 right behind him, so all tied for second. Yeah, I mean, and Richmond has the most goals at 42 as well, which isn't terribly high for 20-some games played. No. Are are they – I mean, 42 and 20 games, and they had a couple, like, six – like, this has been a very high-scoring year for the league, but they're – yeah. Because yeah. we, we've had more 2-2 draws, like 3-2 wins in this league that, this year than I, I think I've seen a, any of the previous three seasons. Absolutely. Except for but, us, but yeah. yeah. But, but we're also tied for the most clean sheets as a team, too. That's the crazy part. What was Shido? Shido has nine, and Christensen with Greenville has nine. Like, that's the other part of this. It's like, it's kind of boomer bust at this point for us. Um, where I think Richmond, that's why Richmond stayed up there. Richmond has always kind of just been boom this season. They keep scoring. They're keeping their goals up there. Um, they're still playing fantastic and- defense. Because yeah, they've they they're, they've allowed second fewest goals behind us. Like we, of course, are the fewest allowed. They're second. So, well, Sawatsky, since he's come to Richmond, has done very well about exploiting the the ability of his uh, offensive, especially Terzaghi. Yeah, what he's been able to work with Terzaghi and uh, Bolanos. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, Richmond. I, I would make the argument is a two-player team. Uh, you've got Terzaghi scoring goals, and you have Akira making all of the saves. As because, he does. But uh, it, their defense isn't strong enough to be in the position they're at, but Akira is a good enough goalkeeper mm-hmm. that is, if you look at his save numbers compared to uh, – but at least last year, it was anybody else in the league. And he had about double as many saves as anybody so, else. Currently, currently, according to their site, he has 76 saves on the season. The next closest is Tucson's keeper and Christensen from Greenville tied with 61. So he has 15 more saves than the next closest two guys. For comparison's and, sake, Rashid has 48 saves this season. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Paul the Wall and uh, I, I don't even remember who Tucson's is uh, because that that's Valdez. irrelevant. Valdez, <laughs> <laughs> they're they're sitting firmly in last place, uh, and Greenville's had some some issues with defenders um, just getting injured and similar situation where we've had and they've had to recover. So. Uh, that like the top three, the, we're the only one of the top three where our goalkeeper is not at first or second highest in states. 
I think that's telling enough with our, how strong our defense is, even our rotated defense. Um, yeah, I was, I was just going to say that. <laughs> with a defense that was short on uh, help anyway, that also has two injuries right now. It, it's also really unfortunate for kids waiting to get a life-saving eye surgery. <laughs> Come on, Cheeto. I, I I mean, really, no, we should be yelling at Dalton uh, Dion to <laughs> Ryan for, for that because they're they're not letting uh, Shino make enough saves. Gotta get That's more fair. kids seen. <laughs> Uh, all right. Um, I think Jay will sacrifice those eye surgeries for the defense to keep playing the way they've been playing. Uh, well, I, I mean, there's there's at least two refs that could certainly use some some of that surgery. Uh, but Cherzaki gets a brace. We somehow don't let in four or five uh, in Richmond, uh, and we recoup, recoup, um, come back. And play again Wednesday against Madison, which is uh, traditionally a very tough game. Um, going into that, we had a losing record against them. One of three teams we had a losing record against. Um, if you didn't know that we had a losing record against them, you should be reading the data dump at WGHmedia.com or data dive. Sorry, we switched it this year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And thankfully, you know, we were able to correct some of that, but uh that Richmond is now, now the only one left. So we'll see. We get a crack at them next week. But yeah, but yeah. The best part about these next two games, we don't need eleven players to beat you. That's the key to these next two games. Well, it would have been really helpful if we'd had eleven players. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely would have helped my my stress levels. That's for sure. Yes. Yes. Um. The Madison game was tough. Madison's always a tough side to play against. Defense, very... I mean, they, they shut down in our field better than we do. Um, they they force possession on us, and we're, we're just not able to take full advantage of it. Um, do, does us being down a player at home mean that we're automatically going to be less possession as we kind of hinted at. Um, and, and then we end up getting to play our style against these teams that are normally parking the bus at Warner park. Honestly, the, the interesting thing. So I watched that one. I watched the last two matches from home um, for a variety of reasons, but the thing with, that I noticed with Madison with that match was as soon as Amir got that red card, they got sloppier with the ball. They had way more turnovers after that. And and it wasn't like turning the ball over near R18. They were turning it over in the middle of the park. And our guys, because that's our game, is to capture possession and go down the field fast. Our guys knew exactly what to do as soon as they got it. It didn't matter that we were down a man. As soon as we recovered the ball in the middle of the, of the pitch, they were getting the ball downfield and trying to get shots on goal. And Madison almost like didn't know what to do when they got the ball, it was, it just, they got really, they got really, really sloppy with their passes and their possession at that point. Well, one, one of the things with Madison is like us beginning of the season, they didn't, they don't have a standout goal score. Like they're, they rely on that team effort. Um, yep. You never 
in past, I don't even remember if in uh, 2019 they had um, someone on the um, Golden Boot race, but I, I don't recall them ever having somebody who's in contention for Golden Boot, like which uh, I, I, you can't blame it on coaching because they've been through enough of those. Oh, you can blame um, it on assistant coaching. <laughs> They only replaced the first team manager, the the main manager, not the rest mm-hmm. of the guys. I, I think I think they lost a few of their their assistant coaches as well. Like they uh, they at least season one to two. I remember us talking about this season. The only person they replaced was the head guy, uh, Mr. Airplane. Yes. Um, <laughs> now tell me if this sounds more like Union Omaha. Thirty six percent possession. 291 successful passes, or 291 completed passes with a 69% passing accuracy. Nice. Down a man, mm-hmm. and you win 1-0 with those stats. That's Union <laughs> Omaha soccer right there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially, like, look at how many passes we gave up for Madison. 508. Like, that's, that's not too different from what generally happens. We give up what? a lot of that. Not only was it 508 completed passes, but that was for 82% successful completions. Like, they, they, that's me saying they got sloppy after the red card. They still had 82% successful passes. That's crazy. That, yeah. That ha- and, and Herzog's goal was not a lucky goal. Like, that was a well set yeah. up situation, too. Well, do we want to talk about that or do we want to talk about the red card first? Well, we have to talk about Amir making his mark on a game plan. Oh. Uh, Amir was baited into it, but the Bosnian split uh, just shot right back. If his hand had been about three inches lower, he would have gotten a yellow, gotten talking to. He just, he caught the guy square in the jaw. And, and it wasn't a close fist, but he pushed him straight in the face. Mm-hmm. And you just, you can't put your hands on guys' heads. That's just okay. the number one thing. You can't do that. Yeah. I, I mean, I definitely, in the stadium, uh, watching the replay on, on the, the Megatron, it definitely looked soft. Yeah. Uh, but, but watching it on the ESPN feed, because I guess they use different cameras for that somehow. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there are multiple cameras in Werner Park, apparently, and none of them have a great angle. Uh, <laughs> uh, but see, seeing that on, on the ESPN Plus feed, uh, definitely was the face. Um, it was provoked. You know, there, there was shoving going against him. He's trying to clear space. Hands just float up too high. Like mm-hmm. I, I would have made the the argument that a yellow card should have been given to Madison, but mm-hmm. that uh, hitting the ground as hard and fast as he did for what wasn't much of a push. It reminded me of Chicharito. Uh, sorry, Kyle. Um, <laughs> the other last night when um, he was joking around with a sporting player and then another guy comes up and touches his arm and he's like, ah, like falls to the ground like somebody attacked him. To be fair, I, I did see the, I, I wasn't watching because I was at the game, but I did see the gif uh, from Wednesday against Toronto 
where the three yeah. Michael Bradley and the two others come around. Yeah, that's it. what it was Toronto. <laughs> they just like melts down. Yeah. Uh, but he was like they, joking with Bradley first. But it, I mean, some of it is like that's as much as we want that out of soccer. That is the gamesmanship of the sport at times. Um, and the. I credit to Madison's player. He got touched in the face and he knew exactly what to do when another player touched him in the face to, to draw the ref's attention. And that's really the key comes down to Amir's hands going to the face. It, it doesn't matter how the reaction was. You can't do that to another player at this point. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like it was the AR that must've seen that then. Cause the ref I thought was not looking at it. Yeah. 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 Somebody, somebody told the ref. Mm-hmm. So, up until that point, uh, I thought it was obviously a physical game. Madison's always a physical game because it's not a rivalry. Uh, <laughs> it there there was uh, you know advantage being played. the The run of play felt smoother. It wasn't as choppy. And after that red card. Uh, the tone of the refing changed so much. It was, and I'm not even sure it benefited one side more than the other. The red card obviously did, but uh, it, it was so much more stop go plays, trying to manage manage uh, a physicality that had been there the entire game, but just was now more apparent. But what was interesting is. Before the red card, he had given one yellow card, which was during stoppage time in the first half. Then, at, then the 50th, Amir gets his. He doesn't give any more yellows until the 89th and 90th minute, one to Madison, one to Connor. So for, for this being a physical match and, and him, he really let a lot go when he only handed out four cards total, one of which being a straight red. Like, mm. usually – a straight red, given a straight red, then all of a sudden they get tighter and they give more yellows and they're because they're trying to maintain that control that they thought was they were losing. It just it got it was just interesting the the way that he tried to control the match after that. It wasn't using cards; it was just using warnings and and talking tos and and giving not giving advantage at that point. It was a straight nope. It's a foul for you know free kick. And. and- Typically, that's where I'd prefer it to be. If you don't have to give cards, don't give cards. Like that, yeah. that's better for the game. But play the advantage, play, play the game rather than play, calling every single foul out there. I will say this 16 total fouls called, and four of them were cards. So eight for either cards. side. Yeah. Yeah. Eight for either side. So, a fourth, a fourth of the fouls that he called were were cards. So maybe I was giving him a little bit more credit than I should have. <laughs> Get, no, never do that with a ref. Just, just. well. And again, <laughs> I, I guess, I guess I'll mention it here, especially since it was much worse on Wednesday night. Maybe it was the field, and you're not sure how to call what was going on with that infield. Oh my God! That yeah, we gotta talk about that at Before some point. Before we get into that, let's let's finish okay. finish up talking finish about the game because uh, this may have to be a spinoff episode uh, talking about that pitch. But 
Corey gets the goal. Corey Herzog, Luke's new favorite player. Oh. Do you you know who gets the assist? Was it Brito on that one or? Dalton. DK. Who falls down earlier on the play. Is either like kind of pushed down or in a tangle. Falls down, gets up, and is able to get the the assist. That that was his back heel Mm -hmm. on, on that one. Uh, we, we scored multiple goals. Uh, as you could tell, we got two red cards in the course of a week. My voice is still not back. Uh, and, uh, not, not necessarily the prettiest out there. Cause I mean, when we're down a player, I don't think we always get the prettiest goal, but it, it gets in, it gets in late enough that we're, we're able to shut down Jay's game management was excellent uh especially considering we are down defenders uh, emir who's one of our backup defenders is the player who gets carded so he's managing with the existing players we have and we shut down and we shut down well that's that's an interesting like substitution pattern too right we bring on eddie after the red card but before the goal he kind of fills in that right back spot and then after the goal, we bring on Dion, and that's where we first really see him in right back. And Eddie goes up a little bit. Well, I, I think you and I were talking about this on Wednesday, because when Dion comes on, it looks like JP comes back as a center, center defender. And it looks yeah. like we had five, five solid in the back. Do you want, hey, do you guys want breaking news uh, as we're recording? Let's Dion's do it. Up for oh. goal, Dion's up for goal of the week. So because we're recording this on a Monday and we can actually get it out for voting time, don't <laughs> vote for Dion for goal of the week. Sorry. Anyway. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about how, how good his goal of the week was. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, sli- sliding back into that five in the back was definitely a – we've talked about seeing it um, earlier in the season, but this was – noticeable it was game management bringing on players forcing it back into that we parked the bus we parked the bus hard like we we cut the tires threw some cement in there like nothing was going through and i I hate to say it i I like jp there like uh, for for that type of game management situation absolutely like that's the beauty of a guy like JP or even Connor is we can move them back and they know that role and they can play that role, but we don't have to have them play that role all the time. And, and yeah. when you're in that situation where you're down a man and you, uh, you got that goal, why not just hold on for that? Especially against a team like Madison that you don't beat often, you know, yes, we've lost to them, but most of the time those games end in draws. So why not hold on for that win at home? You need those three points. Clearly it helped us with this week. We started this by talking about being on top of the table. These three points were three of those six points that helped us get to that spot. Yeah, what, the, oh, to end the week. Just going into the week? What's that? Um, fifth, I think we fifth. still might have been third. Third. We were third going into okay. Madison, yeah. Uh, but – but that game, if Madison beat us, they would have tied us on points. So, like, right. that, it was that narrow of a margin. Yeah. That's what they often call it is a six-pointer, right? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it really was. Yeah. Uh, 
we this is game two where there has been a major change in the midst of the game that affects the outcome. So it's Saturday at Richmond, we Touche obviously had his injury. Uh, G comes on and it, everybody's trying to, to struggle because uh, you don't know if this player is going to be coming back. Everybody's in shock more or less there. Wednesday, everybody's, they, they know he's not as serious. Uh, you know, he's out on his own power and everybody's a little bit back. Amir gets the red card and it's just a fight. Like it, it's the right kind of fight, but it, it's they're they're fighting for what's at home. I'd get it. Very impressed with the boys after Wednesday. Uh, I I think we saw everything we needed to see to show that we deserve that from from the guys. Now let's talk about the pitch. Um, the pitch was horseshit. <laughs> That's the nicest thing you could have said. I, um, not only were players slipping all over on it, uh, it was not level. Apparently they had a roller and a team of seven out an hour before, or hour before, uh, uh, players started training, uh, to try and flatten this, and it still just looked atrocious. Uh, it, it, it's something we've been calling out a lot this year. Uh, the pitch at home doesn't look great. This was our, uh, I was talking with um, JR, and I believe this was our quickest turnaround or turnover from a baseball, because baseball had played Sunday there. Sunday, and, Wednesday. Yeah. But, We've done that in previous years. It it should not have been an issue like it was. It should never be accepted by the team to play on a surface that looks like that, that plays like that. Because as we've said, guys are going to get hurt and you don't make enough money in this league to get hurt. Well, and it's also gotten to the point Sorry, just real quick. Uh, Ebony commented after Dion's goal on Twitter, I've seen the ball bounce on that end of the field weird before. And it's getting to the point where other fans are now seeing how atrocious that pitch is and how it can actually maybe even impact the way that ball is bouncing around against a defense or even for an offense that's attacking that way uh, when they're not used to it. Um, the only advantage we may have now, this point of the season, is we've been able to actually practice there a little bit more than we had in the beginning of the season. But it, it's getting to the point where other teams or other teams' fans are calling it out of of how bad it is, and maybe even indicating. I don't know if this was actually her her reasoning, but maybe even in, implying that that was the reason why that goal went in was because of how bad the pitch was. I think we're not seeing that be like, yes, it's bad. Yes, we know it's bad. We are, the Omaha fans are some of the biggest supporters of not playing at Werner Park uh, because of the pitch. But 
it's of no benefit to us. Mm-hmm. We're we're hurting more there. Like okay. Ryan uh, got burned a number of times because his feet just went right out from under him. Well, yeah, I was going to mention like Gabe had a couple of times where he lost his footing a bit or, or slightly missed a pass because of it. And then we were immediately on the defensive and like, that's not good for us either. I I think more goals have been scored at that end this season than last season. And I don't know if that's because of defending. And I, I believe both sides. Cause honestly, it may have something to do with, um, well, it, the sun advantage is definitely not for that, but just you can get the run of play up on the outfield uh, to about midfield and where where your defense and your counter, you're not having to worry about a weird bounce or guy walking and then falls over with no one around because he trips on the, the seam. Like there, there are some things that need to be figured out there if it's going to to stay for another year or two years, or if they plan to stay there indefinitely, which we've, we've been told there's a stadium somewhere in the works, but uh, until that's announced and until there's a date, uh, they, this is our home. It needs to be safe. It needs to be quality. And it was neither on Wednesday. I mean, even as as we've seen with Tormenta, even when it is announced and there's a date, sometimes it takes a bit longer than planned. So, like, we need to be sure that we can be able to play on it. And, like, most of it's fine, right? Like, three-fourths of it is a good field. It's just the infield part that's awful. Yeah. Well, and and what's interesting is I, I take 2020 out of the equation because baseball didn't play at all. So they can leave that that grass down the entire season. But last year, I don't remember. I mean, I know there was a couple of times where we were like, "Ooh, that looks kind of bad," but it was not like this is like this is almost like what Lansing went through mm-hmm. in 2019. Can how poor those conditions are to the point that people started commenting about how horrible that pitch was and how horrible it was to try and play there. It, with Lansing, at least, the run of play was in the outfield. Uh, it was so little had to do, because they didn't have the retractable mound, so little was done where there was turf, but there were spots that pe- you know players avoided because the pitch was so bad. With us committing to that retractable mound, playing the way we do on that, it needs to be better. 2020, yeah. Grass was able to get roots because baseball wasn't there. Looked good, played well. Uh, you know that that was a quality pitch by the end of the season. Um, twenty twenty one, baseball was back, but there the transitions. Everything seemed to be smoother. Uh, there weren't there weren't uh, problems where you'd see a ball just going going oh down mm-hmm. like that you didn't see guys running and just tripping with nobody around at the scene yeah like, that i i don't know what's going on with the grounds crew but the, you can't do that 
just can't do that. And well, that was literally the first thing I tw- I texted you about when I from home, Luke. It was yeah. How awful is this pitch right now? Like, and and you know, on TV it's one thing, but knowing that that you guys are there and you can see it with your own eyes, it for you guys to confirm. You know, Camille was on that text too, and for you to confirm, like, no, this this is a horrible pitch right now. Like that's just how bad it came across even on TV. Like there was no even hiding it with cameras at that point. Yeah. That let's jump to Saturday. So much better. That yeah. that is ripped up, uh, flattened. You could not like you could see where where there had been turf laid, but there was no no rays on the the edge. Like that that was smooth. Had been mowed over, had been rolled over. Uh, that was flat. That looked good. That played so much better. Um, you know, you didn't see guys losing their footing in, on turf that hadn't been secured properly. Like it, it looked solid. Um, which I think set us up for some solid success. Saturday, no Amir. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait, we, why? <laughs> defense was so our, our our third new right back in a row, as yeah. we played uh, Eddie, I believe, on against Richmond, and then Amir in midweek, and then Dion against uh, Chat. So. Dion, well, and then you had Shaft. Um, you had Shaft start too, yeah. Shaft and Dion on the same side. Dion's already one of our faster players. He's got the pace. He's got the ball control. He looked good. Shaft, holy shit, is he fast. The Like everything, like the, it was just like the cross was either just a little bit off or the player was just not to it. But otherwise, like that whole left side, that first half, he was just dominating. Oh he, oh. he, the 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 pace of just the way the other guys played, even looked faster because of him being able to keep the pace, and because he's so fast, our press looked so much better because his ability to recover, his ability to press really fast, was there because of the speed, like. Well, I don't know what they need to do to keep that guy a little bit longer. Uh, I don't know how long of a contract they signed him to, if it's only to the end of the season. But give him a full season with some of these guys coming back, because I think that we have enough young guys that have been showing themselves that need another season with us. We could be scary next year. I know we're not through this season, but you could be even scarier when you have guys like that to get a full season together. I mean, Kyle, I think a lot of what you're talking about has to do with the fact that he was signed and has had some practice, but not enough time mm-hmm. to get some of that timing down. You start getting mm-hmm. those guys used to his speed and needing to be further up the pitch to receive those crosses. That's that's just going to come with more time together. Well, this is in the course of a week. Um, his second appearance, he came on for, what was it, five, yeah. ten minutes against Richmond. That, that game was already in shambles. There wasn't much he could do to impress, but it got him out there, got him to run. Yep. Starting on Saturday, I we we know how Jay is. Jay is not going to give time to guys who haven't earned it. 
Uh, right. Even if it even if it means we're hurting because we should have rotated, Jay's not going to do that. Shaft must be really showing showing why he why he was signed in training, um, and he definitely showed that on the pitch. He he was everywhere. The chemistry, I think, guys knowing where he's going to be putting the ball because he was crossing into the box so much, but just we Hugo wasn't quite there. No, he wasn't quite there. It it, it could have been so much more um, in, in getting getting there, but the right right thoughts were there. The the right movements were there, and. Mm-hmm. It, just about paid off so many times. So, well, yeah, I, I just want to give you a quick stat here. Um, our, the difference between our XG, so our offensive versus the, our, our total XG versus their total XG, this game was our highest game mm. this season. That is with a red card. We had a higher XG to, to a, an opponent's, the, the highest this season to any other game. That's insane. <laughs> Especially considering how late both those goals came. Yeah. Well, also considering third game in seven days. Third game in eight days. True. Like, this was a very, very rotated lineup. Um, Hugo's first start in probably four or five games. Um, you have Noe up there. Shivani playing uh, defensive mid. I think JP is still working back from some injury. Um, Connor, our defense with G is center back, Dalton, Ryan, Dion, Shaft out there. We and Joe. Yeah. Um, like well, this was a very good lineup, but one obviously hasn't played a whole lot together. Uh, well, at least parts of it. A, yeah. yeah, in a game game time setting, uh, it it was really unproven. I liked what I when I was going through the lineup, liked what I saw, but mm-hmm. didn't know how it was going to go. Um, and especially against a team like Chattanooga, who is tough. It's a very physical match. It's a very fast match. Uh, with the the way their former coach hiatus coach uh whatever he is um Oblata set up and recruited players a very south american style um play which it is tough for a lot of the teams in usl one to to adapt to mm-hmm. uh, we we had our issues um and you know, Jay made a substitution at half. Jay doesn't well, do that. Yeah. Kind of kind of had to. Yeah. Because <laughs> because we went down to honestly a really good goal. It like, was <laughs> that was a beautiful goal. <laughs> That's just how like, Chat's been scoring this year too though. I mean they 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 say like I think even the League One Twitter was like he does it again, right? Like I, I think that <laughs> it's just that's just how a lot of their opening goals have been this season. It seems like is they've just been hitting bangers, 
and they've been going in. And as we've said many times in the past, sometimes that's the best way to beat Shido. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is is those well-placed bangers. That's, that's Sometimes that's all you can do. Well, Rashid just never had a chance on that one. Oh. Like I, he couldn't have been in a better position. Uh, he's tall enough. He's got enough reach that, you know, that's not what, what hurt him there. That was just a, uh, unless you're, you know, no, I, I'm honestly with that goal. I, I don't think you're seeing a keeper stop it. No. I, some of the best keepers in the world get beat by shots like that all the time. I yeah. just, there are just certain places you put a ball on on a goal that it doesn't matter how good your keeper is, how many champions leagues, whatever they've won, how many honors they've won. Sometimes you just beat a keeper with a really well placed shot, and you just give it up to a guy that that shoots like. I mean, I te- again, I was so I was in Sioux City for this game, so I was watching it, and I text Luke, and I was like, "Damn, that was a good shot." Well, I guess all you know, it's like, what do you say? You know, it's like. Yeah. It's like, well, and honestly, it was a, we, we let him get into that position. Our, our defense had a bit of a lapse. I think it was a, a bad pass by Dion. Yeah, uh, it was, it was a bad pass. And that was just after like a series where we've had a few bad passes in a row. Again, maybe that just that chemistry not being fully together, but yeah, we just had a few bad passes and then where it kind of breaks. But it really went against the run of play. Uh, Cause I felt we were on the front foot all the way up to there. And beautiful goal. We're down, but not out. Uh, we mm-hmm. go into the half down, down one. Um, Jay only made one substitution at half, which was Hugo for Corey. I, I don't know if that was a Corey needed to rest his legs or uh, yeah. you know, just we, we needed we needed something more than what Hugo was putting out there. Um, I, I think I think Corey coming in at that point was what we were just talking about earlier with Shaft of having having a player that has played a lot of soccer that understands uh, uh, offensive positioning and it's we know that Corey will push up a little further he you know it, he's not always running his ass off but he knows where to keep himself so that a guy like Shaft who's faster Corey knows I need to play up a little bit further so I don't have to go as far or run as fast as Shaft because he's never going to be as fast as Shaft. To put himself in that position, I think Jay looked at it of, well, let's get this, let's get my experienced striker up top. This is a guy that can score goals for me. Well, that was interesting too, in that I felt at least in the first half, we didn't press nearly as high as we were against Madison. We we weren't like right on top of them. We were a little bit back, um, but I do think we started to press higher. Of course, after we had let in the goal into that second half. Yeah. So Corey comes on, changes the game. In more ways than one. And so many. <laughs> uh, the, the more I'm seeing him play for us, uh, and, and talking to um, talking to Chris, uh, who came in from uh, Des Moines, um, it, what her her um, description of him was very much a like he's gonna fight. He, he's got that attitude. And, you know, he was up there. He was getting getting in the rest face. He was really pushing, pushing the boundaries of what was what was possible. And, and 
putting everything into it to get our team behind behind the the moves that we needed to to get to get a goal up until the point where a Chattanooga player falls over the whistle is not blown and Corey continues to play the ball um and receives a straight red okay this is why we all have to be Corey Herzog fans I'm going to read some of his responses to the tweet <laughs> so STL soccer tracker quote tweets uh Omaha our team's uh red card tweet about him getting his red card and says he sent off for violent misconduct. Unless the red is rescinded, he'll miss at least the next match. One of his responses was, "My daughter kicks me harder than that." Uh, his daughter's maybe three. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Morgan, who um, has been helping us a little bit with uh, with the site and stuff, said, uh, "Didn't even look like you really made contact and held up the kick once you saw the player holding the ball on the ground. So not sure how it was a red on you and not a handball on them." Corey said, "Agree." <laughs> uh, to, which, to which Zach said, uh, basically, I'll buy you a nice red steak. And Corey said, medium rare, but if my red isn't overturned, I'll cook. And then, <laughs> and then his other response to this quote was, uh, did you see the red? Ha <laughs> ha. So I think, I think Corey, uh, the personality part of it is just, it reminds me not a lot. I mean, him and Greg have very different personalities, but it reminds me a lot of like what Greg did last year on Twitter when you know, Madison fans were calling him a goon objectively uh, and, and like going after him. And Greg would just like push back just a little bit, just enough to like to get us all like fired up about it. But um, the one thing that I think was interesting about the two Reds this week were uh, when Amir got his, he just walked off like he, Amir knew as soon as he touched the guy's face and he went down. Amir just started walking off the pitch like, yeah, OK. <laughs> That's not going to be good for me. Uh, Corey, they almost had to escort Corey off the off the sidelines because he was still arguing that it shouldn't have been a red up until the point that one of the chaser security guards was like basically links arms with him and is like, all right, buddy, we got to go before this gets worse for you. Um, so it, it was just interesting because I think that just shows like I think if Corey would have gotten a legitimate red like knew that he lashed out, knew that he stomped, whatever. I don't think he would have put up as much of a fight about the red card as he did. Where Amir knew, okay, I hit a guy in the face, regardless of whether I, it, I was my intent or not. I did that, the guy went down, I'm probably not seeing the rest of this game. So it was just, it was interesting. But good for Corey for uh, a guy that doesn't use Twitter a whole lot to just send random things out. He definitely responds to a lot of things, which is great. So. This is where I lost my voice. Uh, <laughs> even so I saw you run up there. Yeah. 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 Uh, that I, I said many unkind things uh, towards uh, the, the Christmas team, um, uh, as it was called. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The, the hardest thing is the ref. I mean, the ref's behind it. So they see like a kick coming in. I think they, yeah. he just assumes it made contact well, like, and hard. The chat he can't see that. Sold it more so. Yeah. Like the Chattanooga player went down and immediately grabbed the ball. Which, like, yeah, if you're tripped, but that was not a trip. It was 
looked like he fell on his own. Yeah, like like I can maybe see a foul get called. Sometimes you'll see that happen, but like it wasn't anything overt. And well, then the whistle was so late, yeah. which is why Corey kept playing on. Like you can hear it on the broadcast, like because I went back and watched it, and it was like fell. Corey had the whole thing, and then the whistle blew. It was like yeah, and, and Corey stopped as soon as the whistle blew. But until the whistle blows. And this is regardless of the level you're at, you continue playing like that. The worst thing that could have happened there is Corey backs off and they get up, get that in and put it in back of the net. Mm -hmm. Like you keep playing until the whistle and. We're all taught that from a young age, right? It doesn't matter the sport. You play through the whistle. You play till you hear a whistle. And the reason for that is because if you think a whistle is going to occur in any sport and it doesn't, then you just are caught with your pants down and the other team can take the ball and go do what they need to with it. Every sport I ever played that involved whistles, I should say, it was always what was preached to us. Don't stop till you hear a whistle. That's why refs are taught to use their whistle at a loud pitch and not just like blow on it a little bit and just a little tweet. So it's, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I can't fault a guy for – this goes back to what you were just saying, Luke, about the people from Des Moines saying, you know, he's going to fight for you. He's going to work hard. I, I'm never going to fault a guy for playing it through until he hears a whistle because he wouldn't have kicked, kicked at it and gone on if he thought that there was going to be a stoppage in play or there was a stoppage in play. From, from what I've heard, uh, this – is has already been appealed. They have to be appealed within 24 hours. Um, I, I'm hoping there's a good camera angle. If not, at, the sound quality is up to the standards needed, but I don't see this sticking. Um, I, 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 see Corey, I, I see Corey making the, making the trip next Sunday. Um, yeah, yeah, it's hard. I would hope, but yeah, sometimes if you don't have the angle, it's, Okay. Yeah. It, who's well, Sunday? Oh, I mean, we can Tucson. Tucson. I mean, if if yeah. we want, I can go off about the schedule already, but I was going to wait till a bit later. Well, the travel <laughs> part, yeah. Now. Hmm? Let, let's talk about the happy things now. Okay. Well, the only thing I'll say is if, if Corey has to miss Tucson, of all of the matches for him to have to miss, a trip to Tucson against a bottom of the table team that we know we can beat. I'd rather have him miss that match than Richmond midweek or, you know, the, the Greenville game. Greenville, the following. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, of all the games, if it doesn't get rescinded, okay, stay back in Omaha. Don't worry about the travel, Corey. I think Noe and, and those guys, Ricky, those guys can handle running the line against Tucson. Personally. Mm. Yeah. Speaking of that, uh, Ricky comes in in this game. First time in a little while with with Luis, another one of those knowledgeable players who kind of knows how to play. And uh, and then, yeah, good things happen. (laughs) Can we before we talk about his goal, can we please figure out how to say his last name? Because. They kept call, they kept saying heel, and I swear to God it's Gilles, but if I'm wrong, I'll be wrong. But 
I thought it was Donnie an H for the G. So, well, that's because he was pointed out that by someone on Twitter. So that's why I think he was saying heel. Um, okay. I I don't know if it's right or not, but I I believe his joke good. I I believe his announcement by the team, which had the pronunciation guide, was Gil. The pronunciation the the guide only pr- does the pronunciation for his first name. I have it up on their website right now. It is Louis, and then it just says G I L. It does not put a pronunciation for his last name. All right, it works, Gil. It, it's Gil. It worked for Donnie because he got to use a pro wrestling uh, line in there where he said, Louis Heel is a face for his team right now. And I was like, yes, Donnie, way to use pro wrestling terms. <laughs> in other pro wrestling terms, I marked out. But yeah, anyway, first first goal for the team. Team. first goal for the team. Yeah, it was a beauty too. It it came right time, enough time to, to be able to get it. I mean, first goal for the team and almost no celebration except grab that ball. Let's get going. I think, yeah, grab the ball, run back, like a little bit toward towards the corner flag, but that ball was grabbed before anybody has a or anybody from Chattanooga has a chance, and we're we're back going. And at that point, you can see the guys just—they know they can do it. Um, Jay's management, player management for this, was excellent. Uh, and then we uh, we we see Dion actually switch a little bit more up. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, he he pushes farther up because um, oh, Shaft came off for Eddie. Yeah, J- yeah, J- Gordon J- came in. Yep, Eddie. Oh Eddie yeah, and JP. For, Eddie yeah. came on for Joe. JP came on for Shaft. Okay. Yeah. And so so again, JP can play. I mean, Shaft looked great. A lot of Shaft's defensive ability is his speed, so he can recover fast. But JP is a more defensive-minded player, so I think it was a good switch there to get, put a guy like JP in that's a little bit more defensively sound, but can push up if we need him to. So great switch yeah. on that one. I, I saw Jay after the game and just gave him the like your game management has just told him his game management the past two games has been phenomenal because I, I this is especially going into this season where you know Jay's gonna make a sub at the 63rd minute to a fault. Uh, like he, he's definitely, definitely been making the right, right moves and that have really helped us nail it home to yeah. the point. Dion gets his. And With an assist from Ricky. Well, and a hockey assist from Cheeto. It was a yeah. goal yeah. kick. <laughs> Very similar to the, the goal we scored against Minnesota in the cup game. Yes. Yeah. Moving forward, headed on. Striker gets up and scores it. I mean, yeah. and I, that was, I mean, Dion would never say this, but it was definitely one of those, I'm just taking the shot. If it gets saved, he gets saved. And because <laughs> even his celebration when he ran down the pitch, he kind of did the like, like, oh, let's slow down here. Cause I think he 100% <laughs> did not mean to do with that. Like, I think he figured it was going to go wide, but he was at least making the keeper work a little bit. Same side of the goal as uh, as Luis's goal too, which was interesting. Well, uh, that's uh, definitely something 
going into the rest of the season, since Chattanooga is likely to make the playoffs, uh, to, to be mindful of. I know our guys have been watching a lot more tape uh, to, to take advantage. Um, we've had luck there with, uh, with PK um, against Central Valley. And, you know, I think, I think the more we watch, I, the more we're going to see uh, us take where, where goalkeepers have been having faults or where defenders have had faults and us fully exploiting it. And, and yeah, I just wanted to also shout out, that was both the, the first league assists for both Joe and for Ricky, for us. Nice. Joe had a couple in the cup, but that was his first league assist. Yeah. Nice. Well, and then first goals for both of those players for us too, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, I mean, that's, that's the first. cool part. You're down, you're down a man, you score two goals past the 88th minute and later. And not only that, but all four of the guys involved in those, it's the first time they've had some kind of a stat for the team too. Like that every time I talk about this team being like 2020, that's why it reminds me of that is it's a group effort. Somebody's going to do something. They're all working together and they're gelling so much more right now. Well, one of my favorite things about this game against Chattanooga is we Chattanooga Chattanooga. They've been Chattanooga (laughs) five times this year. Yeah, like last year, they all of like all of almost all of their wins came at the death. And, you know, this year being able to do that because just just felt right. It just felt real right. Yeah. Twice to them. Yeah. Chavani's banger was against them as well. Yeah. Well, I think that's the, the nice part against a team like Chattanooga. They've never, this is the first season they felt like a legitimate threat to maybe be a team that can make a push in the playoffs, maybe be a team to worry about. But they've always kind of been one of those teams that is there, and they've always been kind of a team that's been a pain in our ass. So to be able to, to be able to have, be this resilient against that team and Madison, I think that's the crazy part. I tweeted out after this game, like, there's no, there's no quit in this team. And I was talking more about going down a man and doing that, but for, those two teams in particular, for us to go down a man against both of them and find ways to score multiple goals after going down a man to beat teams we normally can't beat, that just shows the tenacity and the fight this team has. And it's going to do nothing but bode well as we push on towards the end of the season. You know, we're not that far from, from getting through the regular season and the playoffs starting, and this is the right time to be clicking like this, which is something I love about this team so far. Yeah, and I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to do the whole uh, digging for this stat. So I'm just gonna say, I'm assuming it's rare that uh, a team two games in a row goes down a man and then puts itself into a winning decision when it wasn't before. Yeah. Well, you you now officially have to answer that on David Bad. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. That's that's probably a lot to go down. <laughs> uh, well. That, that win um, tie, or with Greenville and Madison's draw 2-2 at Greenville uh, moved us top table uh, pending Richmond's results this coming Wednesday uh, where Richmond is away at Tormenta, I want to say. Yeah. Um, I think no, it's, it's home against Tormenta. I, Either way, Tormenta has been solid enough this year that, and haven't they already beaten Richmond once? 
That I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah, I don't know off the top of my head either. But, you know, I think the thing is, like, right now, we're at top of the table. Um, we're two points ahead of Richmond. We're both on the same amount of games played, which also we have a, both teams have a game in hand on Greenville. But this is exactly what Omaha needed to do with those games in hand. And this is what we've been talking about is you got to take advantage of the fact that that open cup run gave us so many games in hand and, and getting yeah. six points out of these three matches this past week. While I would have liked a draw out of, out of Richmond and come and being on the road, getting six out of nine points coming out of that, when you had a couple of games in hand is exactly what you need. And it, look what it did. It shoots you from third place to first place with a game still in hand. Regardless of what happens with Richmond, we still have that game in hand on them after Wednesday. So we have that ability to continue mm-hmm. to, to gain those points if we keep playing like we are. And we have an opportunity to, to gain even more space on them if we win on Sunday and then beat them on that following Wednesday. You know, we have a really good chance of pushing that, that first place up even further. I, I think the guys are hungry enough at this point that uh, our next run of three games. Four. Four. Okay. Get, and, get, and here is where I can, can talk some crap about the schedule, I guess. Um, we're playing Sunday night in Richmond. So that's a nine o'clock game here. So they're not coming back Tucson. that night. Tucson. Tucson, sorry. Yes, yeah. Tucson. So nine o'clock in Tucson. That's a... They're not going to be back until Monday at the earliest. Yeah. And then they play on Wednesday against a top-of-the-table team uh, or, you know, near the top-of-the-table team. And then on sat- sun- uh, Saturday against another one. And then we go to NOCO on with that next Wednesday, which is just ridiculous. We should not be playing NOCO on that Wednesday. Greenville plays in NOCO that next – that Saturday after we play them Wednesday – they're already going to be here. Just have them go play NOCO after they play us. Yeah, It's just stupid. It's, it, I, I think this was a four-game stretch that we all saw initially anyway. And we're mm-hmm. like, ooh, that's going to be brutal. Without knowing anything about what this season was going to look like, what our team was going to look like, you look at that stretch and you're like, it's the travel to Tucson. It's coming back home. You're probably going to get a light practice in on Monday and Tuesday. You got the third place or yeah, third place team coming in to play you on Wednesday who just beat you three nil. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot to going into that. And then you have Greenville coming in who, you know, conceivably could be in first place. And, you know, it's, it's all that stuff of these are the top three teams and we have to play two of the top three teams within four to three, four days of each other after having traveled to Richmond. And Noco's been on a bit of a run lately too. They haven't been looking bad. Yeah, they, they had a hat trash trick team full of trash. What's that? They're a trash team full of trash. Uh, they're all <laughs> letters. But yeah, I mean, we when coming into the season, I'm sure none of us thought that Tucson were going to be bottom of the table, absolutely terrible, like oh. they have been. So that it was conceivably like a maybe playoff team, playoff team, playoff team, three in a row. And then Noko, who was a big question mark. Yeah, that was like yeah. looking at it coming into it. And it's like, why would you do that? Why would you schedule that? And in that? a sense, in a sense, Noko took Tucson's space in a, in a way of, 
potential playoff teams. So you still have three potential Mm -hmm. playoff teams in a row, two of which are pretty much guaranteed playoff teams. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think Tucson was my dark horse this year. Yeah. I think a lot of us were, (laughs) we're a little high on them. I will say for the, uh, for the Greenville match, they have the, the Oktoberfest thing going on. Um, and if you already have a season ticket, you can do an add-on to that and get a beer stein and stuff. So that's, I mean, at least some added incentive to come get drunk and then yell at Greenville more. A filled beer stein. Yes, one pour. Hey, that's better than usual. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Although I will say, I'm. This is my pettiness coming out. Uh, the add-on was fifteen bucks, but. To to buy the ticket with the beer stein, if you didn't have a season ticket, was twenty five dollars. Make it make sense. Um, you've already sunk your money in, and they I know more. But if I yeah. but if I broke down my season tickets per match of what it costs, I'm still probably paying more to add, do the add on than I would if I would have just bought the ticket. So I'm just saying, make it make sense. Uh, you are supporting professional soccer in Nebraska. I'm supporting my alcoholism. That's what I'm supporting. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I might I might need it after these two weeks of grad school, Kyle. So <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, hey, I Labor Day's nice. I don't get a I don't have to teach, so we're all good. It's fair. Yeah. I didn't have class, so it worked out. <laughs> Let, let's uh, get some score predictions out for, for Tucson. Um Figuring we're going to have to be looking at a lot of player management going into, as Kyle said, four-game stretch uh, against the teams that we, we've discussed. Like, we we can't afford draws this late in the season. No. Um... Well, fun, funny thing against Tucson, just to throw this out, we have never drawn Tucson. We've played them the most amount of games that we've played anyone else, as well as Madison. We've won eight times. We've lost once. Yes, uh, we lost uh, due to a offside call that was clearly onside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and a missed penalty, which Dami sure as hell made up for. Yes, SKC. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say two nil. I was going to go two one. I think that maybe um, they they get a goal in somehow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, two two nils where my mind went to. Um, they they haven't given up the most goals uh, this season. They've actually they're two te- Charlotte and North Carolina have both given up forty one. Tucson's given up thirty five, but they're still giving up a lot of goals. So there's goals to be had, um, and they haven't been scoring a whole bunch either. They've only scored twenty three. Now we've only scored twenty eight, so it's not like we're like outscoring them by a crazy amount. But I still feel like their inability to score and their ability to give up goals lends more to a 2-0 victory for Omaha. I will say this. Two previous times we played them, it was 2-1. to one. Oh, I like that. Look at him pulling the data out. Unless you're talking about a semifinal, and then we can talk about a different Oh, yeah, no, I was talking about this year. did score against us in the semifinal. Nobody noticed it, but he did do it. And it was against Jake, who's now on their team. <laughs> yep. Um, 
While they are not giving up the most goals, they do have the second highest goal difference at negative 12. So um, that, that's what's hurting them, honestly, more well, than anything. They, they've now got games in hand, too. So yeah. if, you, if you look at it, they actually have played fewer games than us, and they won't make that up until, like, the last week or so of the season. Yeah. Which is why they keep uh, – the league keeps saying, like, they could, they could make a run for the playoffs because technically they have those games in hand. The way that team is playing, they're not making the playoffs. Um, but I still feel comfortable saying 2-0. Honestly, if we come out of Tucson with a 2-1, I'm happy. Yeah. All right. Um, I don't, don't think we have a whole lot more to, to talk about. College soccer's in full swing. Make sure you get out, check out a game. Some of them are free. Some of them are not. But... Lots of games to go UNL, about. UNO winning on Friday against San Diego State, who Creighton plays tonight. Yep. Uh, I will be be at that Creighton game, see how they, they fare against them. But there, there are some really great games going on out there, some great uh, sides, both UNO, Creighton, Midland, probably even Bellevue. I haven't checked Bellevue's roster. Iowa Western's running away with it again. Uh, men's, women's side, like, you're not going to find – women's professional or semi-professional in Omaha, but the women's, yes. women's collegiate is yet. Yeah. Women's collegiate uh, teams are fantastic. Um, yep. Definitely going out and checking. Uh, so, also, uh, Iowa Western, <laughs> shout out for our, some friends of ours, Football for the World. Iowa Western has a partnership with this them this year. Uh, for every goal scored, they're donating a soccer ball. Um, currently at 20? 20 they've already at 20 goals so i mean i iowa western's crazy good so yeah it's gonna yeah. be a lot it's, it's a cool partnership so that's another reason to go cheer on iowa western if you want to go watch some fun soccer hey and those games are always free when played uh, played in iowa so yep all right um one last question for everybody who gives a hoot we do we do, we do.